0: Welcome to the Life Church Reno Podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Good morning, everyone. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Gotta spend some time with people you loved. I found myself Googling. Overeaters Anonymous a little later in the evening, but I slept on it, got up, felt much better, rescinded my application. It was a good, it was a good time with family. Appreciate always getting to worship, and we, as Pastor Dave said, we're going to continue this in worshiping and communion, because I believe communion is, in fact, true worship. It's part of what we do, as we celebrate it together here Um Uh, at its heart, you need to understand that communion really is worship. We do it uh, in obedience to Jesus' command that we were supposed to do it, and it becomes for us this act of forgiveness and renewal and bringing us back to the point of our salvation. But what it does, what it's meant to do, and why we need to do it again and again, no matter what your week has been or what the year has been, it always turns you in the Father's direction, and anything that turns you in the Father's direction, does everyone understand, that's worship. When I respond to it, that's worship. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. 23. Paul writing here, "'For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you, "'the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, "'he took bread.'" And when he had given things, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember, remembrance. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. He said it twice. And then he says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there's two things that need to be included when we take the Lord's supper, and those two things are remembering and proclaiming. Why? Because you and I need this. See, it's what we're told to remember that gives us life. What we are and and how we Uh, remember often determine the way that we live. Things that, even things that don't readily come to mind so much anymore, these moments that are no longer like conscious memory for us. I can't pull them out and consider them anymore because they're sort of lost in the fog of time. Even those things that we're being told that they're still leaking influence into my thoughts and into my relationships. There's those deep, deep memories. And although we're more than a lot more than just a pile of memories, our memories are constantly feeding into our behaviors and our beliefs. Even our genetics tell us that in essence, we're a pile of memories, organized memories, but, but memories. The expression of, of all the DNA that was contributed by my two parents, that were given to them by their two parents, four now, that were given to them by their eight parents, and on and on and on. We've become this this pile, this this uh, this memory bank of generations of of uh, generations that are recorded in our genes. And that works out in a lot of ways. It works out in in how we look. uh, Someone ought to apologize for that, but the genetics is how we look, why we look the way we do. Our behaviors, our our proclivities, the things we like, as well as the things that we find distasteful. All of those things written somewhere in our cells. Our cells remember, And, and sometimes they even remember the good stuff but they also remember the damage and pass things on. What is remembered is significant. Truthfully, memory for us as believers, memory is at the root of faith. We've come to know Jesus, and, and we come to know these things about God as we've continually walked with him. All of those memories become the building blocks of, of, what, of from what, which I uh, construct my life, from which I learn to trust and I, I, I learn to worship. In, in the act of taking communion, Jesus told us to remember, but it's what we are told to remember that, that really offers the impact. See, Jesus offers salvation, he's the only one that really can deliver on that. See, it comes from the delivery of his spiritual genetics. When I receive Jesus in the Holy Spirit, I'm getting, I'm receiving the the memory, the the genetics of the Holy Spirit. And that comes out of God's great desire to have relationship with his creation. He wants not only to know us, he, he wants us to, he wants to be known by us. See, he makes available this total reclamation of my life that will determine who I'm going to be for eternity. With Jesus, what he's telling us to remember is the very thing that makes me different from what I was, what I once was. His broken body and his shed blood are going to stand forever. They stand today and they will stand forever as a complete testimony to my forgiveness, my full forgiveness, and a testimony to the new life that I have in Christ Jesus. Why do I need to turn my memories to Jesus in these moments? Well, it's partially because my own memories are often bullies. You know what I mean? They do what bullies do. Bully, a bully habitually seeks to harm and to intimidate those that they perceive as being vulnerable. They seek to damage to browbeat or to steal from anyone they see as weak and controllable. Our memories are capable of doing that. They bully us into believing that we are the ones without hope, telling us that nothing has changed, that I'm still a loser, that my future is a disaster, that I'm still the confused one that I always thought I was, and that nothing is ever going to change. I have no rights to God's grace." That's the bully's voice, but then we come to this place where we're told to remember. Jesus wants us to know that we stand, that he stands as a permanent solution to my eternal incompetence. Everything, everything in my life has now can be seen through Jesus's selfless death and his resurrection. I have a completely new story And it is told in the eating of the bread and the drinking of the vine, the fruit of the vine, every single time. My new story was written for me by my savior who paid an enormous price to remove the ruined identity, my defeatedness and my brokenness. The bully, as it turns out, is a liar. See, we remember, what we remember is the only true story, and it's the only one you're ever really going to need. That new story is transformative. It's dynamic. It gives you life. The new story outshines, it eclipses, it surpasses, it outperforms, it upstages, and it eradicates the bully's voice. I have become, as Paul writes, a new creation, and the old narrative no longer holds water. So, to remember the things we remember, how many of you understand we're also gonna have to learn to forget? Paul talks about that too. And what we're told to forget is what sets us free. The Apostle Paul tells us to remember, that as he tells, us to, he tells us to forget. As we approach the Lord's table, We have this great opportunity to do just that. Paul writes in Philippians 3.13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. What direction are we supposed to be pointing? Ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward In Christ Jesus, that is my direction. So if I'm going to remember those things God did for me, then I also have to forget the stuff that's no longer true. In letting Jesus' story become my story, I must dismiss my old narrative. I have to allow the old definition that I have for myself to change. The permanence of Jesus' death on my behalf completely takes its place. My sin has been forgiven, forgiven, totally eradicated, burned to the ground, wiped from the face of the earth. We embrace a holy amnesia, and we allow the Holy Spirit to enforce it. See, my life, lifelong rebellion really has been paid for. My place in Christ is my true and I'm my only identity, and that is where I live. By Jesus's broken body, by his shed, shed blood that we're about to celebrate here, I am free, and by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the application of the word of God, I no longer have to be enslaved by the bully of all those old memories that told me I was something that Jesus says I no longer am. See, what I, once, what I once was, what others' opinions of me were, whatever the rubric the world throws at me, I am no longer looking at myself nor you through that lens, but rather through the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. See, but with that kind of liberty, I have to continually remember what Jesus did or I'll forget the wrong things. Dr. Francis Collins, the head of the Human Genome Project, once said, uh, I've read some of his stuff, he's he's brilliant, but he said, yeah, it's true, we're all dealt a set of cards, but it's also true that it's up to us to figure out how to play the hand. This is is the part of the Holy Spirit's work in us. Spiritually speaking, communion helps us play the hand of remembering and of forgetting. I remember what I need to remember and forget what, no, what is no longer true. Jesus' death really does make all the difference. So finally, the one we worship establishes our true selves. So now all of this, I said in the beginning that this was worship. Communion was worship, so how does that work? Well, this is the worship part. I said in the, I said in the beginning of the sermon, I said that, that when you take the Lord's Supper, there were two things, remembering, which we've just talked about, or did you forget? <laughs> Check it. All right, we have to remember, and what was the other thing? Proclaim. I'm proclaiming, I'm telling a story. There's something going on here. One of the names that's used for the Lord's Supper is Eucharist, and it's a wonderful word. It, it means the act of thanksgiving, of, of actually giving gratitude. Showing gratitude. So in the act of returning to the source, uh, uh, the, the source of what God had graciously given me, I now give back to him. That's what the word means. It actually is a word that means good grace. I'm giving back good grace, and that's what communion does. It reminds us of God's good grace, and by taking that communion, partaking of that, becoming a part of me, I am proclaiming that this is who I am. What do we proclaim? That the God of the universe loves me. That he has done everything possible to include me. That he is changing me into his own likeness. His salvation works. 1 John 4, 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You jump down to verse 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. What's that saying? It started with him. It's going to end with him. Remember saying Alpha and Omega? Yeah. See, it, it, we don't have anything to give him that he didn't give us first. He loved us, and we love him in return. We respond to that love, and that's worship. Worship is an attitude of the heart. It's the direction in which I turn myself as I maneuver and position myself to look and see the face of my eternal father. I move so that my life is looking in his direction. Worship is a response to God for his majesty and his goodness because he loved me first. It's acknowledging his beauty, his preeminence. When I discover how well-provisioned I am in his love and grace, worship is the only natural response. It's the only thing to do. It's gratitude. It's good grace expressed through a million different endeavors. It is private. It is public. It is in both of those situations, it is God's goodness being proclaimed. We proclaim it when taking communion as much as we do when we're singing a worship song, which we're going to do a little bit more of. Hallelujah. God designed us for worship. That is why we are here. A.W. Tozer once wrote, yes, worship of the loving God is man's whole reason for existence. That's why we are born, and that is why we are born again from above. That is why we are created, and that's why we have been recreated. That is why there is a genesis at the beginning, and that is why there is a regenesis we call regeneration. That's all true. But we still sometimes don't we still listen to the bully's voice in our head. Communion pulls us back to that point of saying, wait a minute, that's not who I am. We have to apply. As the preeminent theologian Jericho Toilolo recently said. We come in here and sing about the blood applied, but we walk out as if it was never applied. Communion helps me remember, proclaim, and apply my liberty. See, in the book of Revelations, we catch a glimpse of of what we're declaring, of what really is going on. As God rolls back the heavens for John, and he sees an awful lot of stuff, But one of the things he sees constantly, consistently, is worship over and over and over again. Heaven is full of worship. And when we worship, taking of communion, of singing those songs, of giving our days of work to the Lord, when we worship, we are participating in eternity. This is Revelations 4 8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings, day and night. They never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Did you catch that? Was, is, is to come. That's eternity. That's eternity. And, and we join him there when we worship, even today. Revelations 4.11, you are worthy, O Lord, and God received glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. So that's the beginning, that's the who was. Revelations 5.9, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nations. You have made them to be kingdom priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. That's the who is part. Revelations 5 13. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all of them then in it saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. That is the to come part. He's covered it all from the beginning to the end. He's covered it all, and we are a part. And even today, as we take communion and we celebrate again in song, we are participating in eternity. One of these days, though, we're going to fully and completely get it. Revelations 19:6. I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For the Lord, our God Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. That's you. I'm already an active participant in eternity because I have believed in Jesus's death and I live in his resurrection. That's hard, hard to see from our side. There's so much chaos, so much challenge. So many things keep changing, but here's our security. The God that we worship today with communion and in celebration will never change. He will be who he is and that is where I'm going. Now the day will come when much of what we currently participate in as Christians is no longer necessary. It won't even exist. Only Jesus will remain. We won't have to evangelize anymore because those who are going are already in heaven. I won't have to I won't be a pastor. I'm not going to know what to do with myself. I won't be a pastor because everybody's going to be in the presence of the good shepherd. I have to be there. We don't have to build buildings. We don't have to organize discipleship or establish schools. We're going to know as we are known. There's gonna be no poor to care for, no sick to pray over no broken lives to repair, no hungry children to feed, no lonely people to embrace. Of all the things we participate in on earth, only worship is going to remain in eternity. That's what John saw. Only worship. And in that, we will still be proclaiming, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. It's the one thing that will continue in heaven. And maybe we'll be worshiping with this. Let me finish by reading Matthew's account of the Last Supper. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for you. Did I skip a verse there? Anyway, this is my blood, the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. And then this this interesting verse, 29, it says, I tell you, Jesus speaking, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my kingdom. sounds like we're still going to be worshiping with communion. Maybe I'm misreading this. But Jesus says, I want to do this again, but it won't be till I've collected you all home. But how many of you know there's going to be some remembering in heaven? There's going to be some proclaiming in heaven, and hopefully all the forgetting will be done. If you haven't received one of this, this is our or um, uh, the body and blood of Jesus travel kit. If you didn't get one of these, put your hand up because we're gonna take communion together. There's a few hands over here and here. Heavenly Father, we've got nothing that you didn't give us. My salvation ought to remind me of that every single day. And Lord, today as we return, to the cross, to the broken body and the spilled blood, may we remember that, Lord, you are our only story and help us forget what's needless, doesn't apply any longer, doesn't mean a thing. And in it, Father, every last one of us are going to proclaim that this is the only true, only way, the only truth, the only life. We thank you, Father. For reminding us time and time again. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.